And now, coming to you live bright and early from our coast-to-coast -coast trading desk, this is the Flagship Pod, a weekly live discussion in front of a live Discord audience where we discuss all things the economy, the markets, and the market forces powering the world around you. As always, folks, I'm your host, Peter Starr, bringing you this time a very jam-packed discussion. We have a lot to get through today, um, also more of a sober show, and also just one of these shows as you do podcasts about the market, about things that are live. Uh, this is going to be one of those podcasts that becomes almost instantly irrelevant as we're going to be talking about uh, the ongoing situation in Ukraine, the general insanity of Eastern Europe, the market implications of what's kind of going on there, and then going into the week ahead, how, how we can sort of like think about how the market is going to digest this. Remember, this is a market podcast, and so what we're going to be talking about today um, is, you know, very economic stuff. And when it's in, within the context of war, it almost sounds very dehumanizing. And so the blanket statement is uh, what's happening over in Ukraine's very difficult and very, very hard to wrap your head around. And it's really important to recognize at the top, this is a very human situation. And the only real thing happening is the pressure that all of these people in Ukraine are under. So our hearts go out to the people in Ukraine, and we hope there's a quick resolution to the situation. But we also want to give you, audience, you know, the economic information. So let's just jump right in. To go through that with you today, audience, I once again have co-founder of Moby.co, CEO, chief analyst. Ladies and gentlemen, I got Justin Kramer here. Justin, man, so glad to have you here bright and early. What's good, man? How you feeling? I'm I'm feeling good. I'm excited to talk this week. I mean, I think you said it very well. Um, we are extremely sensitive towards what's going on right now in Eastern Europe. It's it's honestly terrible. Um, but you know, the the purpose of why we're here and why you're listening is to help you from an investing standpoint. Just understand how we're playing it, how to think about it, um, as well as all the other you know new features and things we're rolling out now and we'll continue to roll out. So. We, we feel terrible what's going on. We put our hearts out to the people in, over in Eastern Europe and, and Russia, the Ukraine, and other parts of the, the world. Um, so we don't want to dehumanize the situation. So I, I fully agree with you. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's especially difficult considering that a lot of the Russian people don't even want this. And a lot of people who are currently doing the invading were literally kids who uh, went, went to their mandatory military service to do training exercises. And they were kind of put on a bus and said, can you go please invade Ukraine now? So it's bad on, it's bad on all sides. It's a leadership situation and a country situation. And so we'll see how it unfolds because it's going to be an extraordinarily dynamic situation. But kind of getting into how it affects like the world at large. The number one thing about a situation like this is it's going to have massive reverberations across the global economy. Uh, there's lots of little ways that this can kind of play out. Um, first and foremost, just causing energy prices to spike. Like Europe is very much reliant on uh, Russian energy. And if like the situation continues to go this long, we're going to have a situation where Europe will not necessarily have an energy crisis, but, you know, energy prices will rise and that's going to reverberate across the whole global economy. So if you like gas prices the way they were now, uh, you're going to really love them a month from now, folks. Let me tell you what. Um, furthermore, uh, it, there's a lot of other little things that kind of go through. A massive amount of the world's palladium comes out of Russia. And so it's palladium is a very necessary component for semiconductor production. So we're just adding to our supply chain issues. I mean, we're just finally kind of pushing through the supply chain nonsense and then this happened it's like there's some evil force in the universe trying to keep us from re-establishing our pre-2020 supply chains and then one thing that not a lot of people are talking about is this will also have a huge impact on food prices as well as 
this is a very rough estimate, but like roughly 10% of the world's wheat production happens between Russia and Ukraine. There's a reason they call they called Ukraine the the breadbasket of the Soviet Union, right? Um, like a lot of wheat is grown there. You, America is more of a corn and soybean country, you know what I'm saying? But anything that involves wheat is going to kind of reverberate through as well. And so Justin, as you're looking at this, as you're looking at this situation, obviously, you know, there's the human element, which we, we've discussed, but how are you seeing sort of the markets kind of respond to this as well? Because because it's been kind of an interesting, the world is kind of like holding its breath a little bit, it looks like, with uh, the markets kind of dipping down at the news of the invasion yesterday morning and kind of rallying a little bit yesterday. Bitcoin's bouncing um, on hopes that this can be resolved as there's a delegation. There's potentially going to be talks in Minsk right now. Maybe this is just all like very, very obnoxious, say, like saber rattling that'll be turned into a non-situation. So how do you kind of react to this kind of volatility, Justin? Like what's 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 your thoughts here as you think about uh, how the market is going to respond and how the market has already responded to both the invasion and potential Western sanctions, like cutting Russia out of SWIFT, energy stuff. How do you play with that? Yeah, it's interesting because markets have become really efficient over time. So what I mean by that is you look back to the tech bubble 2000, most people here probably weren't even investing then, let alone potentially even like paying attention. Um, and the markets went on a 15-year slide. Most tech stocks took about uh, anywhere from 12 to 18 months to bottom out. And they were down, the, the big ones, down like 60, 80% before they started rebounding. You've then fast forward to present day and tech stocks are a lot more efficient. Um, they had a similar slide, but instead of doing it over a one and a half year period, it in three months. And so while some look at that and interpret that as that things are just getting slaughtered, I look at that and I interpret that as markets are being really efficient. They're responding to what's going on in real time and rather than it being drawn out, exactly the implications of it are, are being priced in as we speak. So when you look at the stuff going on in the Ukraine, obviously, I mean, you look back to three weeks ago, we were on this very podcast talking about what was going to happen. We didn't know. But the possibility of it being priced in the the inflation, all of these things that have been being priced in over the last few months, really started to kind of be priced in in totality, like at the nexus of the the invasion in the Ukraine. And so yesterday, I thought it was interesting that we saw kind of this reversal. Um, we saw on the news, stocks sell off, markets down huge. And then we kind of found a bottom where things started to rebound. And so in the short term, it's definitely possible that we have a little bit of a rebound here as like a lot of the negative news has been priced in to this point. But I think over the long term, we are not out of the volatility. Um, and even taking the Russia stuff out of the equation for a second, you look at the S&P 500, the price earnings of the S&P 500 is still well above the norm what it's been historically. Um, so things are still expensive. Um, I think for, for certain stocks, it's definitely a good buying opportunity. But just for like the index in general, like there, there's more volatility in the way. I mean, we've we've been saying for now, um, it's just it's a tough investing environment right now. I think there needs to be a little bit more comfort on what's going to happen, not only with the economy but with just with the price going forward. Exactly. And I do want to address a couple of questions I've gotten since this all started um, uh, from our audience. I think I can address this myself. Audience, do not try to buy the Russian dip. As uh, Moby.co, like we're, you know, we are a long term investing enterprise. We want you to we want to help convince our audience to be long term investors. But of course, a lot of our growth came from the day trader community. And so a lot of our audience has that very much day trader uh, perspective. And so we see the Russian stock market go down 45% in a day. And a lot of the day traders here like, <coughs> 
Oh man, is there an opportunity here? I'm actually very excited. You, you have not had a chance to learn about how the Russian economy works in the last two weeks. You're not going to you know, be able to make good decisions here. And this could slide even further. They could cut Russia off even more from the global markets. So don't play that game. This is not a dip you want to buy, and this is not a thing you want to invest in. Um, so just want to blanket address that. I really appreciate your questions, audience. I really appreciate the way that people think when they think about the market. But uh, when you're thinking about you know, buying the dip, when you're thinking about sort of playing this as an investor, do not go into Forex right now. That that opens you up to way more risk than you realize. And also, it's just, it's a, it's a bad look, if I could just put it in those perspectives. Um, but then as we think about how the market's going to react to this, um, we're, we're kind of seeing inflation heat up here more a little bit too, Justin. We're seeing um, uh, like the potential of, you know, not the U.S. getting involved here, but a lot of our allies getting involved as well, right? And so when you look at that, when you look at how the market is uh, reacting to that, let's look at the week ahead because that's the main thing we can do. We're talking about the present right now. Most people are going to listen to this hours after it gets uploaded. Most people, Some people will listen to this days, and so we'll, they'll be in a completely different world, like a looks like Russia literally just launched a new attack from the sea and at the same time as on the outskirts of the Kiev border. This could all be over. This could be a quick smash, get Kiev to surrender and it's over type deal. But I don't want to think about that. I want to predict anything. Let's think about how the market's going to react. So Justin, as we look into the, to next week, um, are there any economic events, any earnings reports, anything we should be thinking about to see that may, you know, kind of throw kind of a curveball into how the market's going to process this whole Ukraine situation as it gets really, really efficient, as you were talking about? Yeah, I mean, like for outside of like specific upcoming events, we see this stuff happening in Germany right now. So you have major, major pipelines of natural gas going from Russia to Germany. Um, and they've since said that they want to stop that and, and find other ways of getting oil um, and natural gas into the country and looking to even nuclear energy, which honestly not getting too much into a history lesson, but um, they ended up like banning or getting rid of a lot of their nuclear plants um, in the 70s and 80s, which ultimately now is coming back to bite them. But ultimately, that's pushing the price of oil and natural gas and, and other things up. So from an economic perspective, like that's not going away anytime soon, especially if, you know, this conflict continues in some capacity. But we're not military strategists, so we're not going to be able to predict exactly what's happening. Um but outside of that, um, I mean, this just is more supply chain disruption, more adding to inflation. Um, so it's it's a lot, honestly, more of the same. And so when you look towards next week, um, we're going to see more jobless claims numbers. We're going to see more factory orders. We're going to see the unemployment rate. Um, we're going to see what the average earnings are. I mean, again, I don't. We don't foresee any reversal of trend here. I think things are going to continue trending in the same direction. Until the Fed actually raises rates and ends tapering, um, things might slow down, especially with a lot of their indications. But we're we're going to be dealing with a lot of the same issues. There's not going to be some sort of absolute shock, and if and even if there is, it's it's not going to be a reversal of trends. So, unfortunately, it's just it's more of the same in the short term. Um, but in the long term, this is something that we've said for a while now. Is we're hopeful this is is a very natural correction and a very natural part of economic cycles. Exactly. And we have really approached that kind of correction territory in the, this week, specifically on the Dow Jones. Like it's something that people are kind of reporting on, but not really. So keep that in mind, audience. It's not a full on bear market just yet, but it's, you know, approaching that. And the thing that we always have to consider is that the number one answer to all these questions is it's all kind of coming back to Jerome Powell, who's increasingly becoming the most important person in the entire world right now, as um, this... 
this situation is going to add inflationary pressure to the the situation or the, the the thing that really kicked off inflation wasn't necessarily all the spending we did to power through the pandemic it was price inflation from supply chain disruption that was the catalyst and printing money just added to that fire a war is going to add to that it's going to add even more inflationary pressure to all sorts of prices so uh, we were dealing with one kind of inflation pandemic inflation now we're dealing with pandemic slash war inflation which is very interesting and so we were really excited uh, with pandemic pandemic inflation because we were seeing it potentially peaking sometime around Q2 2022. Now it's it's question marks. Uh, raising rates can potentially really help that out, but it really depends on, you know, how we need to think about, you know, going through this crisis and we're going to see how that plays out. So just keep that in mind audience. I'm just really ex glad that the CPI print isn't coming out next week. It's coming out in like 2 or 3, I think. So that's the one thing that it, that's the one big hit that could really spook the markets right now. Um, but ho that's hopefully coming a little bit later. But moving through that, moving through that again, we have to think about how we respond to all this. And one way we do that is uh, Moby.co is a very long-term investing channel audience. And because of that, we need to think about lots of different strategies. And so as we move through this, you know, we're going to leave Ukraine behind a little bit. Again, our hearts going out to the people of Ukraine. It's going to kind of eat the news right now, but there, you have to look at the market from all angles. And one angle we find we've been developing for the entire time we've been a company has been quant strategy. And we finally have like the tools and personnel in place to really start publishing quant strategies and telling you how a quantitative approach to the markets really works. And so, Justin, you've published two quant strategies so far this week. And our number one question from our audience has been, uh, how do I, what do I I do like you're saying a computer does this for me but how do i listen to the computer so can you take me through like the strategy behind quantitative investing and then how how our audience can utilize the quant strategies that we're going to be publishing from now on yeah so i mean it's, it's interesting right now because most people are i mean if you're not familiar with it i can give a little bit of a background but for pretty much the entire history of the stock market and just investing in general people invest in stocks you find companies you like for a handful of reasons and you make investment decisions based off of that. But in the last decade or so, or even further, there's been a new way that people are investing. Um, it's called like quantitative-based investing or using algorithms. And essentially what it is, is a bunch of mathematicians, computer scientists, data scientists, take a different approach to investing. The, if you think about the stock market in general, it's one massive marketplace where you have a ton of consumer sentiment, there's trends, data, there's just so much information going on. And so what these computer scientists are doing are trying to analyze massive data sets that humans just are unable to do for, I think, fairly obvious reasons and trying to find trends within it that aren't based on financials, aren't based on historical metrics that most people are looking at. They're looking at other data sets and other things to try and understand if there are trends, why these trends happen. And so you can think of it kind of through two lens, almost through the technical analysis lens where people aren't worried about the stock, but they're worried about how stocks are moving. But everyone is essentially just looking at charts. This is taking that to the next level and like using like insane, insane amount of data sets. So that's one side. And then the other side, they're using real-time data sets um, and alternative data sets to make investing decisions. And so it's a long-winded way of saying, instead of having humans do things, make errors, make bad judgment calls, have their emotions mixed into it, this is strictly no emotions, only numbers, and, and the computers make the decision based on the rules that we see. So we rolled out two strategies with that context that we're really excited about. And so when you look at the 
that really the only funds in the world who've ever beat the market um, consistently year over year, it's these quantitative based funds. So there's a lot of technology. It's a lot of building. Um, so we're really excited to roll this out. It's something we've been working on for almost a year now. Um, and so the two strategies we initially rolled out and there'll be more to come is one is a quantitative based strategy on finding high dividend income stocks. The strategy is based on, yes, getting a return, like we're going to be shooting for a 10 to 15% return. And this is all tested based on historical numbers. Um, but what's cool is it's also going to get 5% income. So if you put in $1,000, you put in 10000 you put 100000 doesn't matter. You're going to get paid 5% a year on those dividends. And that's the entire point of the stock is to get price appreciation on the stock and then also get income from the dividends. And rather than, again, picking stocks by the human, the computer is going to update it every single month. And so it'll constantly be looking at what's going on, what's good, what's bad, and spit out recommendations. And so that's one strategy we just rolled out. And the other strategy we just rolled out is finding tech stocks at good prices. So like in today's environment, and I mean, we say this literally every single week, is tech stocks, their valuations are getting crushed. Even the good ones, things are so expensive, they're starting to come back to normal. This strategy specifically is looking at tech stocks and specifically looking at ones that are growing, but at normal prices. And so it's constantly like digging through tons of financial information, tons of data, and in real time updating things as soon as they cross certain thresholds. So that's going to be one that also outperforms in this type of market and comes with significantly lower risk because we're not looking at super expensive, crazy growth stocks. So those are two strategies we're really excited about and like are putting a decent amount of the portfolio into. We're rolling out another strategy, uh, hopefully next week, um, that's going to be based on international opportunities. So investing in Europe, investing in Asia, and finding stocks that are undervalued on the market. And so those are three things initially we're going to focus on. We're going to be building out what sectors the computers recommend and slowly be building out a lot more of these types of strategies. We can roll it out to crypto and it's it's going to be exciting. We're, we're really, really looking forward to rolling this out. It's going to be, I think, extremely differentiated. You can't really get this anywhere else except going to a hedge fund, to be honest. Exactly. And it's one of those things where it's really exciting, too. But I guess one thing this kind of gets into, and this is, you know, as you sort of establish, you know, an identity as someone who's trying to, you know, get the best possible advice to the most number of people, does this kind of change our long-term perspective? Are all of these within our quant strategies going to maintain long-term holds? Or is it one of those things where it's going to be like the kind of algorithm that buys low and sells high type situation? Like, how do you think about that? Does that sort of change the time horizon for a quant strategy? Or is this more of like a portfolio where like, I look at this, I look at our um, our Aristocat portfolio with Pan W, Verizon, 3M, and all them. I just buy the whole list and don't think about it for a year. Is that still kind of our perspective? So the whole portfolio is designed to be like longer term holds, but there is going to inevitably some be some turnovers as stocks go in and out of like what we're deeming or the computers are deeming rather as good investments. So ideally, there's not too much turnover month to month, um, but we are going to update you in real time, like you don't see this, but on the back end, like our computers have integrations right to our website. And so as soon as things update, you'll get notifications immediately so you don't miss out. So if Verizon, for example, today is like a 10% holding, maybe it's 8%, maybe it's 12% in a month from now. We're going to constantly be updating it, rebalancing, letting you know what's going on. But similar to the strategy we have to date, a lot of these are going to be based, again, on holding things for the longer term. And these are meant to outperform over the longer term at a portfolio level, 
even though some of the stocks individually are going to deviate and you know trade in and out. And so it's a different way to think about investing. It's the right way to think about investing. And like I said, we're really excited to, to roll this out. You, you can't get this anywhere else. Like you really can't. Um, so if there's questions, there's concerns, we're here to help answer them. It's, it's very complex. It's a highly technical way of investing that because of that, I said, you can't get anywhere else. No one else really knows about it um, unless you're in the investing community. And, and more importantly, audience, like it's one of those things where you cannot process this level of data. We have to understand that the market is the most complex machine ever devised. Like it seems like it's, you know, uh, like a collection of individual elements, but it's actually one single cohesive element. Like the reason I love talking about the market is because uh, as a uh, uh, undergrad, like I got really into biochemistry. And so I love dealing with very complex data sets. And the more you understand like the pathways of biochemistry, the more you kind of see the market as an individual organism just with astonishingly uh, complex parts to it just like all the way down to the granular level each individual price movement is a signal and that signal all of those signals reverberate throughout the economy and so you can't really analyze that at a human level it's really impossible that's why this industry exists in the first place because nobody can really predict uh, what's going to happen given the level of variables it is beyond the capacity of the human mind to understand and so it's very exciting to get this technical uh, platform in place to get you know these perspectives and so we are going to update you as as things come in and out and as our website develops, you know, that those updates become more and more, more live, so to speak. And we're really excited to give you this level of insight into how, how this all works out. So very, very uh, excited for that. But, you know, as always, again, this is a very wild time in the market. Like we're seeing a lot of volatility. This Ukraine situation is only going to add to that volatility um, and probably add more of like a headwind push to the, the volatility we're seeing. We are, you know, seeing some stocks still perform well the market is bouncing up and down on you know every single news item so as always audience the perspective is hold on to what you have um and buy things very cautiously right now and kind of keep in mind that like you're buying the dip so to speak you're not trying to cash out now this is not this is not day trading season this is long-term investing season and so you need to make sure you have that long-term perspective so you don't get burned by any potential weirdness that comes out of it um i guess i guess that's that those are the main things we really wanted to cover with this justin is there anything else you're looking forward to next week is there anything else we should keep an eye on anything we didn't discuss or anything that we're developing here uh any other insight before we go ahead and start closing this out yeah i mean so like obviously what's going on with the current events are going to affect the markets it's it's hard not to i mean it seems like that's been the theme for the last year or two is the macro just keeps dominating just certain trends, no matter if the stocks, they're getting tailwinds, headwinds from certain areas. So it's unfortunately going to be more of the same, makes investing a little bit harder, but stock selection, like always, is is beyond important. Um, so I think having said that, there are still earnings next week that we're looking at. Um, so again, everyone, if you're here, you're listening, this is, we're long-term investors. If you're day trading, like, you're just not going to be successful. Like that's just, it's not an opinion. It's honestly a fact. You might be great over a year. You might even be great over two years. But when you think about a lifetime of investing, you're not going to outperform the market. Like no one does. You just, you, you don't do that from day trading. Like even the, there's probably only a, a small percentage of people that do. So the reason I'm saying that is because these earnings and these stocks are about to call out might go down further. They, they easily could. But when you think about, how stocks react, how businesses react to major macro events, and how they rebound. These stocks are all looking 
like really good buying opportunities now, even though over the next month, two months, even six months, they might keep going down. But in a year or two years, you're going to have some like serious upside. So with that context, next week we have Zoom and we have Lucid, two companies we really like. Lucid is still kind of expensive, but Zoom is down like almost 80%. And like they're, they're a good business. They're making money. People are video chatting. The world is becoming more interconnected and remote. Maybe the stock keeps going down, but it's still like a good buy relative to where it was at its 52-week high. And so that's on Monday. We're going to get earnings from them. You know, this, it may change slightly, um, but I, I really like what's going on there. Um, Salesforce uh, is another company I really like. Uh, Target is also a very solid company, but we need to watch out for retail demand. So we're going to get those on Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday, we'll be getting Snowflake, another company I really like. But I mean, even with it down so much, it's still expensive stock. So we're going to hold off there for now. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and then we have more companies reporting throughout the week that we'll be looking at. Um, but in general, this is going to be another week really dominated by the headlines. Um, just need to be paying attention to what's going on in Russia, what's going on at the macro, what's going on at the index level. And a lot of stocks will follow suit. Um, we're seeing a lot of volatility. It's not going to go away anytime soon. But every single week seems to be more important than next. So just continue to see what's going on. We're, we'll update you like we always do. Um, and if there are certain topics or things you want to cover, we're going to try and have a more open line of feedback so we can directly answer questions. I mean, at the end of the day, we're here to engage with you. That's our, our number one purpose. Exactly. And audience, always remember this is very, very complex. And so what you just heard, too, I want to offer a quick point of clarification. Just because we like a stock and like a company doesn't mean we're recommending it as a buy at this time. Uh, for instance, we love Snowflake as a company. Snowflake rocks. It's just far too far too expensive to buy right now. And, this, and in the same breath, like we're really excited to see Salesforce's earnings. But right now, Salesforce <laughs> has been really tracking the NASDAQ so well that it may not necessarily be a buy as they're a little bit more risky as the market is still digesting the Slack acquisition. And so that's why we're excited for the earnings. And so keep keep that in mind. Like uh, Salesforce is still like an awesome company with a bunch of question marks on the investing side. But either way, audience, what I have loved is all your amazing questions, your amazing perspective. Thank you for being with us here, A, earlier in the morning and B, during just what is unfortunately a very interesting time in history. As always, our hearts go out to the people of Ukraine. We hope that this situation gets re resolved quickly and without any more conflict. Uh, we hope that you are safe. We hope that you are well. If you happen to be in Eastern Europe and for whatever reason listening to an American investing podcast, um, and, and in the exact same breath, audience, just remember, you have to invest dispassionately. Try to remove your emotions from the equation as you digest all this information and monitor the markets, because ultimately, that's that's the main thing. This is something that is entirely resolvable. This isn't quite World War III. This is just another weird hiccup in the kind of goofy period we are here in the 21st century. That's why they say it's actually a curse to be living in interesting times. Either way, audience, I really appreciate your time. Justin Kramer, any final thoughts from you before I go ahead and read the credits here? Man, again, another awesome conversation. Can't believe that was half an hour already. No, no, I think we're good to wrap it up. It was great, uh, great talking, and I hope this is helpful for everyone, honestly. Truly do. Yeah. And audience, thank you again for all of your questions and all of your time. If you uh, want any more of our perspective, check us out over at moby.co. We're having a little bit more research published today. Um, if you want to see more perspectives we have, we have a long-term perspective on Snap. It's over on our YouTube channel. That's YouTube slash C slash Moby Invest. Uh, obviously, we've got a lot of great stuff on our Instagram coming out today, too, as we sort of think about how to process information right now. But for now, audience, it's just really exciting to be here with y'all today. I really appreciate your time. Just, you know, this podcast was produced, hosted, and voiced by me, Peter Starr. All the advice and all the information you got today 
today came from our uh, CEO, co-founder, co and chief analyst here, Justin Kramer. If you have any other questions for us, you can hit us up here, either on Discord. You can just DM me directly. I'm at MobyStar. Or if you're listening to this on a recording, you can also just feel free to email us, hello at Moby.co. We'd love to hear from you. We want to get your perspective. But for now, audience, that's pretty much where we're going to have to end it. And as always, I'd like to leave you with peace, love, and incremental gains. Everyone be well. Thank you so much.